You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, in case there's anyone I haven't met or talked to this morning, my name is Randy, and I am Pastor Dan's dad, so uh, I have a big shoes to fill, but uh, you know, what's, what's the whole point of Abide Church? Once again, it's to live, love, and look like Jesus. Jesus. That's a, a true disciple, right? It isn't to uh, live, love, and look like Pastor Dan or anybody else that goes here. It all points back to where? To Jesus Christ and God the Father. And here at Abide Church, we believe God's Word is true. Not just bits and pieces. You know, I thought about that this week. And I thought, what if my sweet little wife told me the truth 92% of the time? But then 8% of the time, she flat out lied to me and hid things from me. Would I believe her the, the times she was telling me the truth? Uh-uh. <laughs> Not at all. At least with my personality, man, you lie to me once and we have a real problem then, probably for the rest of your life, okay? Because you're really going to have to rebuild that wall of trust because I'm not going to trust you anymore. But, you know, I thought about that, how God's Word is all true, and we can trust all of it. Every word is true, and that's what we build this church on. And so we're going to talk, we're finished, this is going to be part two and the name of this little mini-series, two-week series, is Four Ways to Be a Bob. And you might ask, and some of you that weren't here last week, what in the world is a bob? A bob is a big old blessing. That's what a bob is. And there's uh, the point number one was this. It was chair time is the key to being a bob. Chair time is a love story between you and and your Savior. And so many times I hear, especially Christian men, well, you know, I just can't find time. I, I'm not a good reader. I just, you know, I'm so busy. I, I'm working. We've got kids. We've got this. We've got that. But do you love the Lord? Well, sure I do. Do you ever read His Word? Do you spend quiet time with Him every day? That's what chair time is. It's this quiet time that you're just God, it's me and you. It's me and you. Chair time will make you the ultimate Bob. It is a love story. The second point we talked about was be an obedient encourager. You know, it means act when God has placed someone on your heart. When someone comes to your mind, or you're thinking about them, or you're driving down the road, and, and Billy Bob comes to your mind, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to communicate somehow with Billy Bob. Encourage Billy Bob. Be an obedient encourager. Don't just, man, I thought about them a week ago, and then I found out, man, they're in the hospital. I wish I would have called them. I wish I would have sent them a text. There's a reason. There's a reason why they came to your mind and to your heart be an obedient encourager. And point number three, the first point for today, is be a 
servant. Man, think about that for a second. Be a servant. I'm going to call somebody out this morning. Boy, you all got real nervous all of a sudden, didn't you? I saw, <laughs> don't look at me. Don't make eye contact. Don't look at me. Chuck and Kathy Lucia have been faithful servants for the 25, 26 years that we've known them. And they taught the five-year-old class at least 25 years ago that Pastor Dan was in on a Wednesday night and he got filled with the Holy Spirit on a Wednesday night. He comes out of this class speaking in his prayer language. Hey, he comes up to us and says, hey, hey, listen, I, I got Spanish. And we're like, whoa, wait a second, you got what? You got Spanish, what's that? And then we get to talking and, and we really, they, they talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He's five years old. And he came out of your class. This church is here and happening and blessing people because of Chuck and Kathy. Faithful, faithful servants, faithful people. Oh, I, I just, I love that. And, and I'm even going to go a step further with this. What was it? About 18 years ago, we resigned from a position at a church. And when we resigned from that position, people dropped us like a hot potato. When we no longer had influence or had this position, we were junk in their life. And we found out in a second who our friends really were. It was Chuck and Kathy Lucia. They stuck by us. They helped us financially. They did other things for us. They encouraged us. They stayed in contact with us. We'd go to church and they would sit by us. When people in the halls would look at us and make a quick exit to not have to deal or see or talk to Randy and Helen. Thank you for being faithful. This church is alive and well today because of you guys. Thank you, Chuck and Kathy. Love you. Love you. Let's take a look at a verse. Once again, God's word is all true, right? This isn't, this isn't Randy's opinion now coming up here. But let's take a look at this verse about being a servant. Philippians 2.4. What's it say? Boy, this will kick you right in the gut. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. What do you do with that? Isn't this whole thing about Randy? Isn't this whole life about, the, where's the easy button? I want the easy button for Randy. I want the easy button at work. I want the easy button here at church. Everything I do, this is all about what's best for me. Me, me. That's our world. That's the society we live in. I have to be first in line. Don't you dare cut me off in traffic. Because my truck... It, it might have a few dents in it. I will finish it off and run you off the road. You know, don't. I must be first. I've got to be the first guy there. It's all about me. Chew on that for just a second. Abandon every display of selfishness. What's selfishness? Me and Ephraim talk about this repeatedly. It's pride. 
Selfishness is pride. I'm more important than you are. Way more important than you are. Selfishness. Here's five of the most powerful words on earth. Right here. Right here. Just make sure I counted them right. Yeah, five. How can I help you? How can I help you? He doesn't get any more powerful that than that. Somebody that's hurting, somebody that's stressed, somebody that's full of anxiety, somebody that doesn't know how are we going to get this done? When you waltz in there and say, wait a second, calm down. How can I help you? It will save the day in so many different ways. You know, we need to be a servant where? At home. It starts at home. If I'm a big jerk at the house, am I a blessing? Am I a bob to my sweet little wife? If I mistreat her at home? No, I'm not a servant. I remember when our boys were little, and, and I worked a lot of hours in construction when our boys were little. I always had side jobs. I was always putting in windows and doors or roofing and, and doing carpentry work during the day for another company. And I remember some evenings I would get home, and there she'd be, my sweet little wife with these three little boys. One was a newborn, one was two, and one was four. And she would just look at me like, help. Please help me. <laughs> you know, she didn't say that, because that's not her. She's not a whiner. She's not a complainer. She's the strongest woman I've ever met. That's not her. But she would just look at me, and I knew. It was like, buddy boy, you better get your hind end in gear and help that little woman out, or you're going to get hurt. <laughs> and so I'd say, okay, baby, what can I do? And so a lot of times we'd load up the two older ones, and I'd throw them in the wagon, and we'd walk a couple blocks down to the lake, and there was this nice little beach down there, and we'd just get out of her way for an hour or two hours. And then as all three of them got a little bit older, as the newborn got up and around where we could, I'd, we'd, I'd just haul all three, and we'd just get away and let mom have time. Let her fix her hair. Take a shower. Take a nap. And we would just go play. You know, I, I still love to play. I love to go out in the yard and play with my grown sons and my grandkids. There's always a football flying, a frisbee, some kind of game going on in our yard when we get together. It, it's fun, but it starts at home. Be a servant at home. Men, especially for you, you show, you lead by example. Your family will follow you. But if you're lazy and do not lead and do not show your family how to serve, they'll never serve. Men, it's on your shoulder. Here's a little side note. By church in the next month or so, we're going to start a men's ministry. And it's going to be pretty hard-nosed. If you're easily offended, you will not like this men's ministry. If you like to get your toes stomped on and be challenged to be different and change, you will love this. But if you're happy just being the same old, same old, you will hate coming to this men's ministry. But it's something we're developing, and it's going to be good. Another place we need to serve, we need to be a servant at work. And you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. My boss stinks. 
He doesn't know anything. They, I mean, I know more than this guy or this gal. They, you know, they just got hired, and all of a sudden, they're the boss. Are you kidding me? Serve that person? Well, I've worked a lot of years in my life. And when I've had bosses like that, God has shown himself faithful and true. God has taken that boss and either moved him to another department or they got fired. And a lot of times I got their job. Why? Because I was faithful. Something I tried to do throughout all of my, my work, and I still do to this day, the person directly above me, I ask those five words. How can I help you? This week, how can I help you this week, today? How can I unload you? And one of the last bosses I had, he finally looked at me and he said, listen, quit asking me that. Because he said, if I give you any more to do, you'll be doing my job and they won't need me anymore. I said, perfect. That's the way it's supposed to work. Because I wanted my boss to look like a million bucks. I want him to look like a superhero. How do you get all this stuff done? How is your team so organized? You know, he got lots of the credit. And man, I'm good with that because God's bigger than my boss. God's bigger than any ministry or company I ever worked for. He's way bigger. Man, be that at work. So many times we think, well, I got to stick up for me. No, true. To a point, God's not called us to be a doormat ever. But so many times we think, I got to remind them about a raise. I got to remind them about a promotion. I got to remind them about how smart I am and how faithful I've been. Man, we need to sit down and talk. I got to tell you how tremendous I am. Here's what I found out in about the last 15, 18 years. That when I kept asking those five words, how can I help you? I never had to ask for a raise or a promotion. They came. They came. They came. I was asked to oversee departments that I knew nothing about. <laughs> you talk about the clueless boss? I was that guy. <laughs> Do you think you could oversee this? Do you think you could uh, organize this thing and, and make it run better? Sure, I can. But I didn't have a clue about what was going on in that department. So it was talking to people. It was taking people out to lunch. And it was, you know, and I, and I realized at work so many times as I looked at this team of people that I was over, when I first started, I looked at them and they were all just a tool. You were a tool to get that wall painted. You were a tool to get that office cleaned. You were a tool to get the stain out of that carpet. They were just tools. And I noticed people were afraid of me. And twice a year we did, uh, you know, reviews. And I'd have to sit down and I believe it was at 36 people at that time. And we'd do a review. And the last question on the review that I had to ask 36 people was, what is the toughest thing about working with me? You talk about a punch right in the gut. Some lied. 
Some were too afraid to tell the truth because I'd have to say, now you can tell the truth. You're not going to be blackballed. You're not going to be fired. But speak truth. But I found out I was scary. People were afraid of me. You know, I'd never blown up on anybody. I didn't cuss anybody out. Are you kidding me? We're working at a church here. Are you kidding? Right, Chuck? We're working at a church here. But people were afraid. And the Lord said, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just start to love them and the work will get done. Yeah, there was tasks to get done every day. But man, I was so dumb. I'd come in and they'd be painting the lobby. And I'd just, instead of saying good morning, how y'all doing? How's your family? I'd say, hey, you guys know we got church Wednesday night, right? Duh. Yeah, they know we got church Wednesday night. I don't need to remind them of that. But that's how I led until the Lord got a hold of my heart. He said, they're your brothers. They're your sisters in Christ. Love them. And so, man, I had a church credit card. I had a budget for lunches. So every day I'd grab a guy and say, hey, I need a lunch buddy. Come on. And we'd talk go out, eat lunch, and, and talk about anything but work. And you know what I was finding out? I was finding out things like my mother-in-law lives with us, and she is dying of cancer. What can we do to help? I was finding out things like our heat's been shut off for two weeks. Well, guess what? I have a ministry credit card, and I can get your heat turned on right now today. But it took me serving them instead of bossing them. And I know Gabe can tell you a great story about one time when I caught another co-worker just out in the parking lot, just bad-mouthing the ministry and carrying on. And I fired up my truck and pulled over there, and, and I told this person, I said, man, I can fix that for you right now. If you don't like working here, bye-bye. We'll fix this right now. And I was mad. I wasn't that nice about it. And Gabe can tell you, I wasn't the greatest guy in the world to be around or to work for. But praise God, Jesus will get a hold of our hearts and just say, serve, serve, serve. I don't have to be the guy in charge and the big wheel every place I go. Just serve. How about church? Be a servant and serve at church. Did you know Abide Church needs your help? And that's the great thing as we're developing teams and things for our kids in different areas. Man, we need your help. We need your help in the sound booth. We need your help to keep things looking good. We need your help greeting. We need your help with the kids. And, man, that's what's going to be so great on our team night. Come on out October 7th, this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., right here. And even if you don't want to join a team, you just want to come out with some free food and we'll laugh a little bit, come on out. Come on out and see what is going on. Man, I think about people that serve here right now. I think about Eddie back there at that sound booth. He makes our church service happen, period. I mean, faithful, faithful, faithful. And he didn't know how to run a sound booth. 
He never runs sound before. It was all foreign. It was all new. You know, it, it scares me to, to death just to go back there and stand by the sound booth. There's too many buttons, you know, too, too many buttons for me. If it's a table saw or a drill, I'm in, but uh, too many buttons. And I think of, of Ed and Miss Susie, and they do so many things around here. We don't have a clue about all the things they do. We do not know everything they do. They do so much. And I'm so glad, you know, they didn't just say, oh, well, younger generation, your turn. Come on, younger generation, step up, your turn. My mom did that. Went to church for years. But when she got older, retirement age, she said, oh, somebody else's job. Somebody else can teach Sunday school. Somebody else can hold the babies. And I realized how wrong my mom was. Because there were little babies that needed a grandmama to hold them and cradle them and love them. That's not hard. Man, serve, serve, be a servant. Let's go on now. Oh, this is a good one here. This will get some of you, this is going to get your fur up. Some of you might even take offense at this. Here's number four, the last point of how to be a Bob, how to be a big old blessing is be holy. And boy, when you start talking about being holy, even around Christians, we've talked about this, they will look at you like you just grew a third head. They'll look at you like, whoa, wait a second. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me. It's legalism. Don't judge my fruit. Don't, don't touch my fruit, man. It can be rotten if I want it to be rotten. Let's not even talk about that. There's tons of churches that won't even talk about being holy and sin because it's fun to have a little bit in your life. It's fun to have around. Let's, once again, is God's word true? That was really wimpy. Is God's word true? All right, then I've got some verses here for you. Let's take a look. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this. It says, well then, I love this. There's a little sarcasm here. I love sarcasm. I, I am probably the sarcastic person you'll ever meet. Okay, well then. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me. Let's take a look at this other verse. Back in Romans, Romans 12, 2. What's it say? It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Why, as Christians, do we want to look just like the world? Why do I fear standing out or taking a stand and saying, no, not going there, not doing that well why because it's wrong because it's sin 
I love the last part of that verse, how it talks about to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Think about this. Every human ever conceived in the history of the world, God had a good and pleasing and perfect plan for them. Every evil mass murderer, a Hitler, a Saddam Hussein, whoever you want to throw out there, every little aborted baby, God had a good and pleasing and perfect plan for that life. Oh, my goodness. Let's go on to the next one. One more verse. 1 John 5.18. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Oh, my goodness. Here's a statement for you. We'll see if you agree or disagree with this. God didn't send a sinner to be our example. He didn't send Randy to be your example. He sent his sinless son, Jesus Christ, to be our example. Let's talk a little bit about this. You know, I've heard people say, oh, now, Randy, settle down. Here you are on your rant about sin again. Just settle down. You know, someday when I die, I'll be perfect. I'll be sinless. I'll be just like Jesus someday when I die. And as I get to talking to people that say that, I realize it's a great excuse to keep playing with sin. And all of a sudden, death has just become their savior. Think about that. When I die, when I die, when I die, I'm going to be just like Jesus. True statement. But death didn't die for you. Jesus Christ died for you. That you can live a holy life. Oh, it's possible. There's no victory there. You know, here's something to chew on too. The world doesn't want you to be like them. And you say, prove it. Okay, I'll prove it. I've worked on a lot of job sites for a lot of years. And a construction site can be some of the nastiest, dirtiest, sinful place you ever want to be. I, I know offices can be that way too. I know restaurants can be that way too. It, it's the world. It's sin. But some of these guys that had the biggest mouth, that mocked me the most, that cussed the worst, that were drunk and hung over every Monday morning and they had hocked all their tools. Can I borrow your hammer? In their life, when it really hit the fan, they'd pull me aside and quietly say, my wife left last night. In tears. This big dude. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? But the day before, he mocked me because I wouldn't listen to his dirty joke. Because I wasn't like the rest of the gang 
on the construction site. It's time to take a stand and be holy. The world is looking to us. Honestly, your unsaved friends and family don't want you to be like them. When things blow up in our family's life, who do they call? They call little sister. Pray. We know God hears your prayers. Will you pray? That's what they say. Why? Because she's holy. She knows God's word. She lives God's word. That's why. You know, I, I look at the world, and, and I think about how they just, you know, what, are the, what does the world do when a Christian, like, preacher or somebody really falls, and they stumble, they sin? What's the world do? It rages against them. It delights in it. It's on the news. It's front page. It's late night TV to just rip them, gut them, destroy them. Here's why. It reminds me of a little kid that's mad. And the tears, the hot tears are rolling down their face. And they're frustrated and they're mad. That's what it reminds me of. The world is that way. Because deep down inside, the world wants to believe that there is a good God. I believe that with all my heart. That deep down inside, your unsaved friends and family want to look at you and say, I want to believe you're real. I want to believe what you believe, that this God thing is real. That he loves me. That he died for me. Please live it so I can believe it. Deep down in the world's heart, they're looking to us. Is it real? That's a heavy weight. They want to believe that you are good, that you are holy. You know, a while back I saw a, a very short clip about Tim Tebow. I love that guy. He's tough. The abuse he has taken over the years for his Christian stance. What he the abuse he took in the NFL and I mean, just terrible. But I love his courage. He's not perfect. I love the man's courage. And I saw him interviewed by Jimmy Fallon. And you know, Jimmy Fallon can be sarcastic, cutting wit. And they're sitting there talking. And Jimmy Fallon, as Tim Tebow is talking about his life and who he is in Christ. Jimmy Fallon leans in. He leans in. And I watch this, and I'm just like, he leans in to what Tim is saying. At the end of the conversation, they stand up. Jimmy Fallon puts out his hand, and he grabs Tim Tebow. And he says, Tim Tebow, you are a good man. He didn't say you are a perfect man. And he said, you are the real deal. And you saw it in Jimmy Fallon's heart 
And in his mannerisms, he wanted it. He wanted to believe it's true. What makes him a good man? What makes us a good man or a good woman? It's when we give our heart and our life to Jesus Christ. It's when we surrender our sin. Parker, can you come up here and help me a second? This is a great little object lesson that we would teach in kids' class about sin. Go ahead and take that bag off of there. We're going to pretend that this is a bag of sin. And I'm sure you all are wondering today, what's with the garbage? What's going on with the bag? Sin is a weight. When we have sin in our life, it's not easy. It's hard. It hurts. It's heavy. And what does Jesus Christ say? Give it to me. I'll take it. My shoulders are broad. I died to take it all. But what do we have to do? I have to surrender my sin. I have to say, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of lies, lust, greed, hate, racism. I am sick of it. And I'm going to surrender it. To give it up. And that's the great thing. Great illustration. So this is a bag full of sin, right? And Parker says, okay, I'm done. I surrender. And he says, all right, Jesus, I'm going to start giving you my sin. He says, here, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Here, take my lies. Take the greed. Take the lust. Take it. It's gone. It's gone. Here, here, Jesus. Here. Take it. Take it. All of it. I give everything to you. My entire life. Thank you, Parker. I give it to you. And what does God the Father say when he looks at Parker? What sin? What sin? gone. It's very popular nowadays, and people preach this, that you need to go back and look at your sin, and dig it up, and talk about it, and examine it, and blah, blah, blah. That is a big pile of bull butter. It's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. God has forgotten it. Prove it, Randy. Glad, glad you said that. Isaiah 38, 17. He cast all my sins. You know, you cast all my sins behind your back. He takes those sins that we gave him, and I can just see God flipping it behind his back. What sin? What sin? Isaiah 43, 25. Blot out your sins and never think of them again. Hebrews 8, 12. Never again remember their sin. Psalms 103, 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Micah 7, 19, you trample our sins under your feet. 
and cast our sins into the deepest ocean. Psalms 107, 14. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Sin does not have to rule my life or your life, but I have to have the guts to give it up, to surrender, to say I'm done. I'm done playing with it. I'm done going back to it. The Bible talks about a dog returning to its vomit. And when I continue in the same sin, I'm sorry, same sin, I'm sorry, I'm returning to my vomit. Give it up. Give it up. Our Father says, what sin? There is victory in Jesus today. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. I praise you and I thank you. You are good. You are faithful. You have never condemned us. You have never said, remember back in 1978 when you, remember back in, in 2011, or remember back in 2019 when you said or did or the enemy does that, but you never have and you never will. Our sins have been trampled under your feet. I love the strength of that and cast into the deepest ocean. God loves you. God is full of mercy and kindness. And he says, give it to me. Today I'm going to ask you a question. Today, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, or if you need to just do it for the first time, say, Jesus, I'm in. I don't understand all this. I don't know how it all works, but I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I have sin that I must get rid of today, right now, this minute. If that's you, would you just quietly put your hand up and put it right back down? No embarrassment. Nobody's going to be called out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we love you and praise you for your mercy. Today, if you would, please, just everybody together. We believe in everybody in this room. We love everyone in this room. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I give my sin to you. Everything, every attitude, every thought, every word, every deed, I give it to you. Thank you for washing them all away. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.